Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat. Where we want to go with this podcast? Man? Where we want to go? I'll tell you where we want to go. Where we want to go, Gentlemen, man? I turn to First, ESPN. I say, hold on, I miss hold, this. hold on. I miss yes. This. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time. I had folks yesterday at, at tailgate and pregame. What y'all What's doing, man? What y'all doing? What's the next podcast, man? Y'all got a podcast again. I said tomorrow, man. Tomorrow, tomorrow. What All right, they, man. They would definitely be like, what y'all doing, man? While what y'all we waiting on? In between beverages and handshakes and stuff <laughs> like that before yeah, the game. You had, you had some then, real beverages or you just had some Coke, uh, Coke and water? Post-game, we were drinking some. <laughs> Let me yeah, say co- this. Yeah, the coke and, and, and one of my buddies was. He said, "You got to miss this on the podcast. I'm not gonna miss any names. Don't need to. I won't miss any names. We don't know about liquor. What, what, no, 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 not, not drinks. <laughs> I'm not getting all that. We did have some fireball. A couple shots of fireball. Going doing the rounds. Oh yeah, we, we did it right, baby. Post game, you celebrating. But we had one of our. I like this. Former, former all time greats joined us in a uh, sip of enjoyment. While he was wearing his NFL Combine jersey, really? I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. Well, did he, did he look like he was in shape? And he could go and he could get things done. Well, we we were talking. Me and my friend were talking out to the side. Is that his Combine jersey he's wearing? I was like, yeah, man. It looks like he turned around. And you can see. <laughs> so it has been mentioned on podcast now, gentlemen. So I guess he got some good use out. I, I apparently so. I mean, he made it to the league. So I won't, you know, the more I, info I give out, you know who I'm talking about. So I, I won't get into all that. So I don't want to burst, burst his bubble, if, you know, if you want anybody to know about his wearing the uh, combine jersey. But <laughs> I go to ESPN.com. I go to the NCAA football section, bowl section. And of the six matchups of the big boy bowls, my alma mater is mentioned in there playing number 18 Houston versus number 9 Florida State in the I'm not since we're not us getting paid by that sponsor of the food in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta on New Year's Eve December 31st 11 o'clock in the morning the crew is in the big time crew is in the football business for sure after their 24-13 win over Temple Saturday morning slash afternoon Brunch. That's what I call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well put. It was brunch. brunch. My my food was was liquor. I didn't have nothing to eat. I just drank uh, myself into a couple of kolaches and you know. And some, I had a kolache after some, the game, so but I, I was drinking enough before the game to enjoy myself. And we had me and my fellow alums. We were we had a quiet confidence uh, going into the game versus Temple. You weren't sure though. It was no no oh heck no, because we are. University of Houston <laughs> and, citizen, and citizens the, of Houston the, the as well. University we of had Houston pessimistic group. Yes. That's who y'all yes, are. Yes, we are, we, are, we are a pessimistic group of people, you know, <laughs> for, for lots of reasons. So, yeah, so we, but we had a quiet confidence about us. And then the defense played well. Defense really played overall better than the offense did. Totally. Um, Very you know, Greg now, Ward Jr. When he came time to step up. Did the job with his feet. He didn't have a great job passing. But he put on enough of a show. And the Cougars and... We can talk about a few minutes about predictions. I mean, the game's on 31st. We have enough time for another podcast or two before the game to discuss predictions. And one opening line I saw was the Noles are favored by, I think it's Noles minus seven, which is which says a lot to me on, on both sides because the Noles, Florida State, you know, they won championship not too long ago. So to only be seven-point favorite says something about the Noles this year's team who went 10-2 and two in the ACC, as well as says something about the Cougars. Yeah. So, with, with, with a what, new quarterback a, or a, a replacement quarterback in the middle of the season, I think it was. Florida State or what? Yeah, Florida State. Um, 
yeah, they switched quarterbacks. Ended up with it. Yeah, yeah. So, they didn't. Fi- they didn't finish the so, season I mean, with the quarterback that started. The Nolan's offense is, is Dalvin Cook, who was one of the totally. best running backs in college football, and should be up for the Heisman. I'm not sure he's going to get there. And no fault of his own. You know, he missed two done. games because of injuries, injured hamstring completely, and struggled in a few other. Because of the hamstring, and he still put up big time numbers, and had a couple of big games with the hamstring. with the hamstring. So he he is a real deal, and and he's going to be a, a difficult matchup for the Cougs. He's he's fast and strong and powerful. So, but it is just good to see. As long as the Cougars don't get embarrassed, and they would really have to be. I mean, just put on an awful display. Being in Peach Bowl, being in prime time. Being one of the elite games is just a a boon to the program, boon to U of H football, boon to Houston football, boon to Coach Tom Herman. You can talk about his new contract that he's he's uh, he signed, the five years deal through uh, 2020, 2.8 million average, and one of uh, one source, well not one of our colleagues, Joseph Duarte, beat writer for the, the Chronicle, according to one of his sources, said that that. Um, if U of H moves to a Power Five conference that averages per year twenty million dollars per team per member in TV deal, Coach Herman will receive a five million dollar bonus. So, lots of positives for the program on a lot of levels. And I heard during today's selection announcement, so you get in there, you just you moving on through mm-hmm. a lot right there. And you talked about that matchup, but yep. uh, number 18, Houston, and uh, number 9, Florida State. I think it says more about the Houston Cougars in terms of the Florida State just being a uh, seven-point favorite than it, than it is a negative on the slope. I think it's positive in regards to showing you where Houston is. I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a game that be closer than folks realize. For, for one, folks that hadn't been athletes. It's not that huge of a gap overall because next year's Seminoles team will be better than this year's Seminoles team in terms of recruiting. But so will U of H's team. U of H, both teams are bringing in top-notch recruits. This, right. this, this season was kind of like a bridge for Florida State. And honestly, we discussed it earlier in the season. We didn't expect the Cougars to go 11-1. Right. We maxed out. We said Cougars win eight games this year and then expected them to kick butt next year. Right. Starting with the season opener for Oklahoma. Because we weren't sure about the quarterback position. That, right. that was, that that was, was the key to the, the whole first thing. Question. And keep in mind, the Cougars and Coach Herman have done this with a nine different offensive linemen, injured to your running back. We had to go to a defensive back to play running back last two games. That's how banged up you were back in there. So they, he's worked wonders on offense and defense. So this is going to be a good game. But nationally, ESPN during that selection show said, Kirk Herbstreet said, Greg Ward Jr., Cougars quarterback, is a beast. If you haven't seen him play, you are in for a treat. He is a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. That's the national publicity that the U of H football yeah, can't program buy that. is getting. You exactly. can't buy that you kind of advertising. That. So that is a positive. But also, let's be realistic. Florida State is part of the upper crust. Especially where U of H is, is, is at a above average situation right now. And we're talking about in the trenches, offensive linemen, and defensive front only because of what has happened either by injury during training camp, during the season, and been having to replenish those guys, you know, on the fly. And it pretty much showed itself uh, it's in the uh, Memphis game, 
Temple game, the first Temple game, and the Navy game. And I mean, it, the defense it, has played better the last two weeks, and I think we people expected. I expect Navy to run and ground, just pound them into the ground. And and one thing about them, and the crew was manhandled them offensively and stopped them enough defensively. Well, stop the run. That happened because size was pretty much similar. Memphis and uh, especially Cincinnati and Memphis, their fronts were a lot larger, at least by 20, 20 pounds across the, uh, across the board. Yep. And, and, and with experienced guys across the front, Daz has a diagnosed, you know, he pays attention to especially the, the trench situation. Those guys, when they do grunt work, they do grunt work. And we'll see. Sean McGuire was quarterback. We, we, we were having problems thinking of. So, okay, okay, okay. They, they changed from Everett Golson to uh, Sean McGuire. He's more of a has more of a, a stronger arm than Eric Golson for, for Florida State. They have more of a, a deep passing threat with him as QB compared to Eric Golson. The Noles offensive line, earlier podcast we talked about, I talked about how inept they have been sometimes no. down the stretch. Their, their red zone offense was really, really poor. They would struggle getting plays off. They had, I think, nine false starts in their loss to Clemson. So, they have holes. They have deficiencies. But one other thing to consider, as an upper crust team, how serious will the players take a trip to the Peach Bowl? The coaching staff is going to have to tell the tell the guys, look, I know Houston. Y'all may think Houston is, is beneath y'all. I'm, you think the Cougars are some flash in the pan and just happy to be here. So we'll see. The coaches can say all they want to say, pump them up and give them all kinds of stats, show them. Greg Ward this, and Kenneth Farrell that, and Alanda Roberts on defense this, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But if, how many Florida State players will say, oh, man, this is just the U of H, too. They from what? What conference are they from? I don't have to work hard for this. I mean, whatever. We beat these dudes in my sleep. <laughs> so we'll see if they take that approach. Now that's true. And if yeah, they do, yeah. they get, get, get they drove. Gonna, they're going to get beat. Get, get drove. Get drove. Get embarrassed. You know, honestly, <laughs> if they take that kind of attitude. So we'll see how how it all plays out, but I'm just thrilled to death that uh, the Cougars are in a big money bowl. I think what reports were was it $11 million, I think. I've heard one. Thanks, Mr. Ryan. You were, because, <clears throat> folks, it's a big difference because everybody goes on a trip. Everybody goes on a trip. Administration takes everybody. The Board of Regents all, folks all show up. Everybody, the presidents, vice presidents, office, ADs, a lot of SID folks. Everybody shows up. Money, a lot of money is spent, and the more money you're getting in your pocket, don't think you won't try to spend it all. You got to bring something back. The other thing is, I do know this, and it hadn't changed. That money doesn't all come to one school. It comes to sixty percent. Uh, comes to one school. So that means that Chris, you, you, you and Doc, y'all numbers people. 60% is what, Doc? I see you hitting at the, you punching at your finger left working at. 60% of 11, 11 million, that's a, that's a lot of, that's good. That's a lot of green. That's about $6 million. Don't attempt to try and spend it all by taking everybody down on the trip. You know, and the, and the rest, 40% will be split among the, the other member schools. So, I th- you you got to be careful with that. You got to take significant people because. I know, I understand. Make them feel good. You're going to get it back because they're just going to write them chicks. So you which got to spend some of it. Which I think is what happened to get uh, got to spend it. You just Coach Herman his, sure his new deal. Right. We, we got some alums sure up to the plate and say, 
quality people. You can let him go. We got to keep him here. We got to keep him here for a while. And that will help your coffers and all in the athletic department. Yeah, no question about it. And point blank. <clears throat> And we're going to talk about the negative side so because that's what we do on the podcast, talking yeah. about the good and the bad. So the one, the one we'll get thing to that in a second. But okay. all, right. all this, we got Coach Herman's new contract. We Bye, got, I don't and, like and, it. That's and, and thing part I of it, it, it is kind of low. But part of it, part of the new deal includes that, uh, let's see here, the amendment calls for the $20 million indoor facility to be approved is not approved by the Board of Regents by September 1st, 2016. So part of his buyout, part of his money, and his contract is tied to the completion of the new indoor football facility. Now, so the, that's so that is another well, big deal. Now that sounds similar to the last person's contract. Had to be putting the you know shovel right. in the ground for a stadium. Y'all better go. You better get your better get on your job. And he left because he was one. That's one reason why he left. Yeah. So, but these, but the, we but have new the, folks in charge, yeah. and one of them is Tillman Fertitta. He is yeah. much more progressive, being proactive instead of being reactive. Right. But so, uh, you got to be careful with this because U of H, for the most part, mm-hmm. outside of some of the concerns you have with the marketing people, which has gotten uh-huh. much better. And, still need and to, they, didn't market, they didn't market the game at all. They need to go. They and need to get it. a lot better, Doc. They right. need to get but, a lot but better. But there's so much you can do. Some of that's going to help in terms of getting better when you can get this financial boom because then you can just hire enough people to take care of that. Uh, what you're talking about really is to get a small group of people be talented. And I don't think people realize to hire really talented people that go above and beyond is a lot more difficult these days than what the norm is. You have people mm-hmm. that will work. But to have people go above and beyond, as you see, just covering sports, you have some people out there that are getting paid to cover, you know, in terms of the salary. And they're just collecting a check. You're right. And they do just enough to keep that salary coming in. You're talking about taking it to the next level. But essentially what this gets into a little bit of this conversation I wanted to go before uh, we extend this on U of H, well-deserved, is the fact that, the bowl announcement today with the Final Four, for those that may not have heard about it, the Final Four is number one, Clemson, number two, Alabama. Most people were fine with that. And yeah. people would have put that on the table uh, if there was in Las Vegas. They would have. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'd go with that. Go with that. I'd go with that. Number three was Michigan State. State. Yeah. Which uh, surprised some people because they were a no surprise to folks in a certain state and a member of a certain conference, right? Because I was state. I mean, I was in there at three. I mean, I was in there at four, and Oklahoma was originally three, and they dropped to four. And so the reason I say that surprised some people because they thought Oklahoma probably would stay where they are. Mm-hmm. And there's some different ways you can read that. Um, some people say they wouldn't want the Oklahoma Alabama. As a semifinalist, they would want that as finalist. I don't think you do that because if you can get a great matchup like that, you, yeah, you, 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 yeah. can, you, you can't, you can't afford to now. Play, yeah, yeah, that's right. Which has <laughs> happened last year. They did that. They had Ohio State you gotta take your Alabama, chance. and they took it. And you worked take your out chance. In terms you take of your chance. Great matchup. And I think it says more about the fact that the Big 12, uh, as much as they can shake their head and say things worked out this year versus them getting left they got out, lucky. I think that's exactly what they happened. They got lucky. It worked out. They got lucky uh, that out, that. Stanford stubbed a f- 
Yeah, it, it, twice. It, Northwestern, I think you where Northwestern being a top twenty five, people can feel a little better about that. And then Notre Dame losing that game late to Stanford in a year. You know, right. No, I think just about Stanford. It hurt it hurt that's the first part that it hurt Stanford. Because it seems like they're talking about teams with a championship. Not only do you need to win a conference championship, but if you I mean win a com, yeah, a conference championship, but if you win a conference championship game, it's even more solidifying your spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of what you do, particularly when you match up with a conference that does not have a championship game. So what I'm getting to the point is, if Stanford only had that one loss, and they were matched up with Houston, I mean matched up with Oklahoma, from everything the indication we see, Stanford would have been the fourth place team in, and Oklahoma would have been out. Getting to the part that you're talking about, if Notre Dame had won that game, oh. Now you're looking at it. You, you, now you're now getting you're locked out. One, one. Now you're getting locked out. But it's twice. You would have got locked out either way. You would have locked out if Stanford was a one-loss team or Notre Dame. And that's the point I'm making is that this uh, is good for U of H because they're being really solid right now. They're putting a, investing a lot of money in the program. And so if they can get to the table and Big 12 can come to their senses and opens the door, so they can play a championship game, it then becomes even easier for U of H to move further with their expansion products because now they become part of that big money pool that comes out in a conference where each conference member goes from $20 million to what are they getting now for each conference? About $5 million from the conference. If that, yeah. That's significant. $15 plus million boost to $17 million boost a year. And so that's the point that I thought was important. When we look at the number structure, they have to continue to do what they're doing. But they're going to need a little bit of luck. They're going to need some people outside of their control. And I'm sure they're doing the networking as much as possible. But they need Big 12 to go ahead and make a decision. And I think Big 12 leadership would be crazy not to understand the statement that was sent clearly at them. And and, and I'm glad you, you brought that in because I was going to tie it all together yesterday. One of my friends said, and I have not been able to find it. But one of my buddies said... USA Today, I think in Friday's edition, announced that the NCAA conferences or whatever committees announced that a conference has to have 12 teams in order to have a conference championship game. If that is accurate and combine that with Oklahoma being leapfrogged for not having, not being a conference championship game you know winner it just seems like here it is big 12 what more do you need you need to have 12 members in order to have a conference championship game right so if that happens and let me i'm not gonna get into all details but i heard a lot of stuff yesterday the money that uv is spending on renovations of hall finds the basketball development center the indoor football facility. Friends, alums, colleagues are all telling me, all being all convinced that U of H has been told that they are going to be invited to a Power Five conference within the year. Which is reason. Hey, you, see the, you, you see the way I'm looking at you right is, now. Which is a reason the why they're spending right this money. And I could get into more specifics, but I won't because some of that stuff is hearsay. But it would explain why they're spending all this money. Because, trust me, 
my school, I, I, I'm an alum, and I, my school is not the most proactive institution when it comes to lots of different things. Now, but it would indicate why they're doing what they're doing and why they are finally getting off their behinds and doing things. Well, with all of that way. talk, you know, about, about the facilities and all, which is truly needed. You know, some of the stuff is, is, is just been there too long and uh, too long. You know, not nothing been done. How? What, what was, when you asked mentioned at, at least just brought to broach the subject about you know the attendance and stuff. You know, following a team down the road. You know, you know when they have road games, especially within driving rain. You know, I, what was what's what's been? Well, the, we, but we haven't had many of those. We don't have a lot of games with. Within drive range, being a member of the conference that we're in. Right. And, and, and the closest one is what? Uh, yeah, Tulane. Tulane. You know, well, that's some you, being in Dallas. Yeah. Um, but even those games, football-wise, has not been, the travel has not been great. But one of the things that now is part of the, the uh, Peach Bowl ticket package is, I'm sorry. please note, quote, please note, the University of Houston has a significant ticket commitment to the Peach Bowl game. It is extremely important to purchase bowl tickets directly from the ticket office as it affects Houston's success and future bowl selection. Yep. So please purchase your tickets and there's your link you can go to and call phone number as well. So they realize it. They're starting to promote it. It's time for alums and they are working on a, a, a student package package for the students as well to be a part of the bowl game. I saw that on Twitter. So they are finally realizing things are necessary to be a, be a big boy in the football business. So they do need to improve the marketing because they did very little marketing for the championship game versus Temple. And that's one of the reasons why the game was not sold out. I think they spent too much relying on the conference to do it instead of doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. Because bottom line, if you don't market your product, who else, else going to do it? Will? Right. And, and only you and understand one, what you're doing. And that's one thing UH marketing has failed to understand and accept for years. <laughs> so now that the basketball team, men's team, is doing well, fo football team is is in a big time bowl, and you, we and Wildcat and I got it directly from Kelvin Sampson point blank about yeah. the lack of marketing <coughs> department for <coughs> men's basketball. Yeah, his daughter is the one doing most of the marketing for the men's basketball team because. The little marketing that is being done is being I'm done. Glad on the football that, team. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I kind of like been so been, catch, been, been crow fishing, but no, no. I, 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 he said it point blank, and you can go to both our YouTube channels <laughs> and hear it for yourself. Mine is Houston Ron Bar View on YouTube, and mine is a, uh, the the College Sports Report, AKSV the CSR. So he sold us both at at the uh, uh, media day for the American Athletic Conference, point blank. It, it wasn't. It was on the record. It wasn't like turn yeah. off the camera, turn off the microphone. Yeah. This is on the record for everybody to yeah. see in here. You want to go to the, our channels? You can listen to it yourself. So, marketing department is on you. And he understood that the football team is being successful. That's great. But you got to market the other teams too. Yeah. You want people to know about your product and the attendance at the U of H basketball games right now. We could fit into this room. Yeah. This is. It's and, dreary. And they're 5-0. and oh, And they got the number one pick, projected number one pick, NBA draft pick, Ben Simmons and the LSU Tigers coming off on December 13th, 4-30. Game has been moved to, I think, ESPN, ESPN2 from, I think ESPN2 now, from ESPNU. It wasn't originally supposed to be a 7 o'clock start on ESPNU, but now it's been moved 
because the Texans game got flexed. Texans versus Patriots got flexed. So that's, that's next so Sunday. Next Sunday, 4.30 start. Ben Simmons is the real legit. Deal. He is the real deal. He's left-handed. And already got people oh, that's him. the reason to come out and see him, folks. He's a lefty. But hear, hear this. And he supports that. Hear this. The LSU game, if you want it, as opposed to walk up, if you want to buy it, it's part of a package. So it's not individual. You got to buy two other games if you want the LSU game in part of to purchase it. Smart. It's smart, but it's new. And one of my friends is like, "Why the hell are they doing this? I want to see LSU. I don't want anybody else." So, but it's the only way you can get it. Yeah. As opposed to Mark, I guess the walk up. Well, folks got it. Also, I got to also remember or I'll be reminded of when cable companies set up packages on these sports channels. And these different conferences, am I not wrong in referencing that? They set those up on packages on certain games, especially these proteins. You want to watch a certain oh, oh, yeah, we got dynamic pricing is, is going to be the, the next big thing in a, in a lot of yeah, different ways. Yeah, I hadn't seen anybody require a two-game, you know, additional game package with one game. Not Usually yet. you enhance the package by putting it out there. It, 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 and what it, you it, do it, is you just float up the ticket price, where the ticket price for the single game is so high that it's better for you to buy the three-game package, which hopefully they'll come back to one of those. Usually that's the marketing strategy that I've seen. Now, I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't asked him what other two games were included. Right. They're usually nobody. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all the non-conference schedule is, except for this game against LSU. Right. Much nobody's. So you, usually, Even if it's a conference game, it's going to be somebody that relatively is not going to get fans excited. But still, if you have a team that's – Playing at this level, you get a chance to play him, see him play against a top caliber a team, also a t- potential number one draft pick, which is almost far gone. I think he's a, think it's a lot. Right. You'd be crazy not to get a chance to get out there and see that. But they're 5 0. They had a, a very good win over Murray State on Wednesday. Uh, they've, all, their first, all their five wins are been at home. They have their first road game Monday at Rhode Island. Uh, that doesn't look like there's any, any TV for the game. Not even ESPN Watch 3, which kind of surprised me. So, it's disappointing as well, because I think Rhode Island is a good team. But, their win of Murray State was good. Rob Gray Jr. come off the bench. Wildcat, were you there for that game? Murray State, no. Yeah. Okay. But he scored, I think, 26 points off the bench. He's He is borderline scorer shooter. When he gets hot, he rolling. He's rolling because Monday he he wasn't hot <laughs> against uh, Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, I was there for that one. Yeah, he, he looked like a fish out of water. Yeah, that he wasn't he, 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 he wasn't comfortable. He wasn't comfortable. He was just jacking up stuff Monday. But see, I think Wednesday. Let me get the stat line so I compare the two. Wednesday he was ten for fifteen in twenty seven minutes. Jacked up fifteen shots, twenty seven minutes, made ten of them, four four six from three. Now let me pull up what he did. Monday, so you can get a comparison <laughs> of Mr. Gray's skill. He's a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore. and But trust me, fellas, U of H's got a good men's basketball team. I'm disappointed in the, the uh, lack of quality opponents in terms of teams that fans, local fans, will want to see. You know, because we know Mercedes is a good basketball team. Yeah. They've been to average, the tournament yeah, a couple average, times. Average, Joe Fan be like, who? They've been to the tournament. Florida They've been to the tournament. Who? You know, I mean, things like that. Bob, folks aren't going to spend money to, to see those 
named opponents, but let me see. Let me get the stats here. Rob Gray, what Rob Gray did Monday, Monday. They don't have the stats broken down for the game. They got season stats. Conrad, what you doing, maybe? Conrad, Jeff Conrad. I know I saw it one day. <laughs> I know. I can't find it nowhere. I did that yeah, I'm there, but I'm going to slow this stuff, one. But yeah. Because I know he, he was like one for nine. I mean, he, was, he, yeah, he took a step back. He bounced back for his ten, with his 10th, 15th performance on Wednesday versus Murray State. And, Doc, let me read the, the uh, three-game package here, some info. Let's see. They call it three-point packs. That's what the Cougars call it, three-point packs. Trying to be catchy. And, of course, it goes right into a link, which doesn't explain you anything. So, <clears throat> let's see. Three-point pack. Choose three games, including the LSU game for the 2015 to 2016 men's basketball three packs. So it's a part of the LSU game is part of any 12 games you want to pick. So three point pack, but the pack includes LSU. Yeah, I've seen them done like that. Mm. But they still usually have a single game that you can buy, but the price of that single game just is near the same price as three packs. Is the way you usually do it. Because you don't want to not take some revenue. Yeah, yeah, and we need revenue. We need more butts in the seats. So that hopefully the students and the alums, the 35 to 40,000 folks who come to the football games, four, five, six thousand of y'all come to basketball games, you know, because 1,000 and less have been yeah. at these home games thus far. And that is not impressive when it comes to recruits, even though they are still in in line with a certain recruit from the state capital. And I won't go into any more details. The other that. thing, too, when you start presenting a better attendance situation, your president and your AD and your basketball coach can go to the conference and say, hey, all I want to do is get in the rotation. Yep. I think we can put enough folks in the seats and all on our own. At our place, to guarantee at least five thousand, uh, uh, thirty-five hundred per game, you know, for a tournament on a weekend. Am I wrong? Rob Gray was six for nineteen Monday versus Rio Grande Valley. Six for nineteen, so he bounced back. Six nineteen to a ten for fifteen Wednesday. But yes, Cougars are five and zero. Real quick, women's basketball. The U of H women beat Rice for the fifth straight time Saturday and, afternoon. And something should change on that. And something needs to change on that. And. Um, I have interviews with both head coaches on the Houston Round Bar Review channel. Coach Tina Langley for Rice and Coach Ronald Huey for U of H. Coach Huey, I even asked him about his thoughts on U of H football success. He lit up. You got two big go Cougs. Congrats to the football team for winning the championship. So go to the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube and, and listen to his interview for Wildcat. Rice women are 0-7. Lost another lead down the stretch. They can't. They're not finishing they, games. They're not they're finishing, finishing games. I, I've been. I've been to enough now that I can. I can actually give them a, a assessment of what I'm looking at. It's going to take some time for them to learn a different philosophy on both offense and defense. They show spurts, but not enough to finish a the game. They, it's. It's almost like they are in transition mentally with where they need to be and where they're trying to go. Uh, physically, they they're kind of like fighting through. Some walls. They're short. And oh, that's going. They're they going. That's going to be like that until next she, season. Yeah, she said the tallest post player is six feet tall. And uh, it's, it's dark. And, and they got in foul trouble yesterday. And U of H 
on the glass. Yeah. 43-27. Just they dominated are. the glass. And that's, that's, they, they've that's got, really why they, they've got some issues, you know, but but it, but it's all basketball wise. That's one thing I can that I can say for for a fact. It's all basketball wise. I haven't talked to a player because I hadn't asked to talk to a player yet. I need to see a little bit more uh, involvement uh, and somebody to actually, and like Coach Sampson says, break away from the herd and separate yourself and stand out. I hadn't seen that yet. Um, hopefully, before conference place, uh, by the time conference play is what two weeks ago or three weeks away now, end of the month. End of the month. Well, that, that that's even better. Um, that's a nice way of putting that. You know, I'm trying to put specific times, but yeah, the end of the month that'd be fine. And, and real they, quick, they, they, they we need got, to get gotta get some, some uh, gotta get some get some going. Some props to the four and one Prairie Lady Panthers. Yes. Yeah. So they they beat Lamar. I think PV. Has uh, the PV beat HBU? Yes. So, PV beat HBU. HBU beat TSU yesterday. Yep. At the H&P Arena by 12-77-65. So, uh, the TSU men have only one win, but I think they're starting to get the team back together because um, I saw the box score. Derek Griffin is from the football field, not on the basketball court. First game against Mississippi State. And he put up. Some solid numbers. 19 and 12 or 18 and 12. So, yeah, he, he going to have an impact yeah. on swag play. But you, hey, hey I, Doc, I don't care what nobody says. That kid there, he, get, he can get, he just athletic and can get things done when he steps out on the floor or the field. Because when you put the ball in his hands, a lot of good things happen. I hadn't seen a lot, I hadn't seen bad things not happen seen bad things happen when he doesn't have the ball. But when he's got his hands on it, it's always good to me. But Doc, swag standings on the men's side. Southern, five and one. Oh, Southern is real deal. They have wins now, over Mississippi State. Keep going. Um, Tulane. They they played some very good basketball. They're the real deal. And, and they're, they're gonna be, they're what, gonna be what conference is Tulane in? Tulane is in the Americans. Mm-hmm. And they write down it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, you know right down the road as they say. Mm-hmm. They right so, down the road. Uh, Prairie View for the women to close out on kind of the women. They have a win over Nichols. T- uh, they had that loss against TCU. They got that one over Louisiana Tech, and they have a win. And they ain't what conference? Louisiana Tech. That they was in, that was in Rustin Baptist. That oh wait, oh, oh, that was oh. Howard Payne. Howard Payne. Okay. <coughs> that was that, that was in Rustin. That, that was in Rustin. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Jackson has jumped out four and two to give some competition there. Um, but three of their wins against. Non Division One program, so so yeah, we know we count goes, those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with this, uh, to name one of the teams, but the win against the Division One team is against Jacksonville State. So and, and the Alabama schools can Alabama State is one and five, as well as A and M is just is zero and six. They're, they're having some trouble with the oh. coaching hire. Oh, they okay. thought we we're going to get some tr- uh, things done. It'll be kind of interesting to see where things are going there, just uh, moving forward. And Coach Davis's road show, and you know they're struggling. They're one but, and seven. But they 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 they're on the road. Only had one they, game so far with Derek Griffin, so I'm really not gonna really count the first. Yeah, the previous seven. That, that's true. So yeah, they're struggling from the. They, they, but you have to. I look at the way Texas Southern's non-conference schedule, what they do in basketball, totally different. I really don't count so much. Oh yeah, the first five games. There's two reasons. It and that is because they. 
have such so many transfers. Oftentimes, those transfers mm-hmm. are not able to mm-hmm. uh, qualify until after the Christmas break mm-hmm. in terms of a certain part. And in this case, obviously, you're talking about Griffin, which we can see is going to be impactful in terms of what he was able to do against Michigan State and the coach saying that. He said he would clearly be our best big man as soon as he gets off the football team. He will be in the starting lineup. And we see what he did in one game, just getting a mm-hmm. decent mm-hmm. framework of what he wants to do offensively. Well, we'll have to see what he does defensively because coach is a sticker for defense, so he's going to have to make sure he – provides quality part of that game and I believe that was indication in terms of being able to put 18 that he was getting done on that side of the court Uh, also Jose is still having some problems as he returns from the knee injury but a couple of kids they were waiting on we'll have to see um, as I'm sure one of them will be eligible after the spring I mean after the uh, winter break so that's going to provide a little more depth than Mm -hmm. what you're seeing playing now the major question you have with Texas Southern University is at the guard position. Okay. Like many conferences at the Division One level, the SWAC historically and to this day is a guard league. Shout out to Kevin Granger that just went recently went into the SWAC Hall of Fame. And so as he was, you are if you don't you're gonna win this conference, you're gonna need great guard play. Even when they tr- had the transfer coming in at the seven-foot center, they still had to get it done with the guard play. So that's another problem they're having now. But they should get much better in terms of what they're doing uh, at that position. But I will say, SWAC basketball is a little deeper than what we've seen in the past. Not only is Southern doing well, as you gave a perfect analysis of them being five and one. You have Alabama A&M, which is four and one. They have four seniors. And the preseason player of the year who is ultra talented in terms of what he gets done. And Alabama State is sitting at three and four. Jackson State is sitting at three and six. Even Grandma State that has had problems playing basketball sitting at two and six. Arkansas Pineflips, two and seven. So you have some teams getting it done that are getting some wins. We haven't seen SWAC have this many Division Ones this early in the preseason in a long time. Some of those wins from Alabama A&M were Tulane, 68-67. You talked about that earlier, so I'll let that slide in terms of the American. Uh, <laughs> Southeast Missouri, they had a win. Uh, Oakwood, obviously, Division Three team, but that's a little rival game history that they played for a while. But then they got one over Jacksonville State. They lost to Murray State. By two. But two, mm-hmm. 63-61, as you point out. So they are a very talented team, as you can tell, in terms of what's going on there. So I think uh, it will be a little more difficult in terms of what Texas Southern wants to get done in the league this year. The SWAC is always tough on the road, even uh, as Texas Southern under Mike Davis has won three consecutive championships. They've had some losses on the road, so that is probably going to come out again as we see as Alabama State got a win over Virginia Tech, they took a loss to uh, UAB, but that was a two-point loss, 72-70. to 70. They lost to Mercer. Mercer got them going, 70-49. Lost to Chattanooga. Got a bounce-back win against Chicago State. And then they have a Alabama-Auburn win there, Division II program. 
they played some very good basketball just to give you some ideas in terms of what's going on in the basketball scene and the swag. Miak, Hampton is jumping out of there. The Miak plays their first conference game and sometimes two conference games before they leave for the spring break to make sure they can get their full slate in. So you have Hampton jumping out four and three and they're already one and zero in conference play. Big win this past, yes, past weekend, a couple of days ago. South Carolina State surprised some people. They're sitting at four and four. They're one and zero in the conference race. North Carolina, North Carolina Central is doing what many people thought they would, sitting at three and four. They're one zero in the conference race. A and T is sitting at three and seven, and they're one zero in the race. So, those are the teams you can see top heavy. Savannah State, make sure I put them in the mix at four and five, as Norfolk State is trending right there and they'll be a tough out again sitting at three and four in terms of naming some teams that are getting it done uh, with those type of wins. Um, North Carolina Central did jump out and play a SWAC team return trip from Mississippi Valley State that they played last year as Valley lost 86 to 79 to show you some of the wins they got there. The other win they have is against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore as they're playing some tough competition. Hampton is the team I told you started out. They have a win over America and a win over Appalachian State uh, to show you some of the wins against Division One teams, also against Northern Arizona, as they got a tough win against Coppin State to open up the conference race 74-71 uh, to give you a little information on what's taking place in terms of those HBC programs out of the MEAC. Tennessee State, we Sometimes we'll forget about them. They are the lone HBCU that plays outside of the two mm-hmm. conferences that house HBCU athletic programs. And so Tennessee State is sitting at 5-2. and two. Pretty good wins there. Uh, Loyola, Marymount, they got a win over there. Uh, Middle Tennessee State was a loss. Uh, but they got a win over Kentucky. Um Kennesaw State, I should say, to make sure I get that right. Kennesaw State, 56-49, doing pretty good in terms of what's going on. And then they also have a win against Stetson, 74-54, as they're trying to get it done in terms of starting out their season at 5-2, and two, looking like they're going to be in the mix uh, for some big games there. They have an intriguing game as they match up with a SWAC team. They play Grambling. They'll be hosting them, so I'll be interested in keeping my eyes on that. They also play Alcorn. So this coach seems like he wants to get a little more HBCUs on the schedule uh, in terms of the fans up there putting a little mix in there. I always think that's good for those non-conference matchups. So that'll do it for the basketball scene as we transition over before I get into the big game that really uh, was just a beatdown by Alcorn State Braves. It's God damn it. Was- yeah, it got ugly real quick. I don't know. Was it- well, no, no, fellas. We're... we're- before we get, we're getting into HBCU football, about to talk about the SWAC championship game. TSU did hire a new football coach. I was going to get into that. Okay. Okay. We know what we're doing. Let's, let's, I got Dr. Lane on. I got Dr. Lane. Let's talk about Mike Haywood, you know, being the new head coach. Yeah, and then we'll, then we'll get into that beatdown. I question, uh, was this um, a quickie? No, I no, think, I'm talking about, uh, 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 no the, the point I was making is the fact that usually, as you see in the SEC with the SEC championship game, right. many people understand the next coach of Georgia is going to be Smart, Kirby Smart, who is coordinator at Alabama. 
they weren't allowed to make the announcement during the SWAC championship right. week. You keep all the focus on your championship game. But we know a little history of the commissioner of the SWAC, Dewar Sharp, and the athletic director, mm-hmm. and I should say VP of Intercollegiate Athletics. Yes, I, 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 I actually McCullough. had that correct. So I was intriguing if this was purposely done uh, to do it on Friday, uh, the day before the SWAC championship <laughs> game, literally. A couple of hours after right after the media yeah. session on Friday, I thought it was very intriguing that you named Michael Haywood as the uh, new head coach of great Texas hire. Southern University. Most people believe and have said that it's a good hire. We know in terms of his trajectory coming out of uh, Miami, Ohio, and then getting a Pittsburgh, jank, get Pittsburgh coaching job before um, he got into some altercations. Domestic and domestic violence um, back at home. It subsequently was adjudicated, but by then he had already lost his job pretty much immediately at Pittsburgh. He hasn't been in the game a couple of years, so people are questioning whether he will be able to get some really solid assistant coaches, and maybe that was one of the reasons Charles wanted to name it so he could get to those coaches as early as possible as the as everybody is starting to make their decisions now where they want to go. So that is important. So I, I will put that as a rationale to do uh, what was done in terms of that framework. And so those are other concerns. Uh, he's from the Texas area, uh, private school. Some people are excited about that, that he's a Houston native, he's recruited heavily. But then there's some other people that are concerned of the fact that he still had those relationships uh, at the particular level of recruit there. So he there's some invoked, back and forth. He invoked the name of several coaches. One of those is Sir Politician, Mr. Business All Around Guy, Mac Brown, several times in the in the uh, uh Yeah, I think there was the, a tweet out the conversation uh, to call that's my I'll say is a great hire. Uh, a lot of folks that have seen him at the higher level yeah, he's worked for in terms of Texas, and, 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 LSU, uh, uh, as well as Nick Saban, Saban and things yeah. like that have all said great things about him. But the point that I'm saying is I think without a question when people are doing that is that he has the mind for football. I think you can almost without question feel good about tactician, what he'll be able to do, controlling timeouts, getting his team up. But I think there's a lot more to football than just being able to do that part. And what I'm saying is even he knows how to manage a team. I think that's without question. But you are talking about at HBCU where financially – there are going to be some restraints. Yeah. And uh, that's where I'm saying, how does that all work out? Now, at Texas Southern, his salary is going to be very commiserate of them functionally very high at that level. Everything I know and have seen about Texas Southern in terms of financial, in terms of how they travel, how they eat, is well above uh, average for the SWAC, HBCU programs. And I would say for FCS level, it's, in my opinion, at the top. Five percent at that level, but there are some other components that are much more indebted to financial. Um, what are you going to do in terms of your attendance? A lot of that may go away if you win, but you still have a stadium off campus that some alums are still having concerns with. Students have voiced in terms of when they erupted on the president in regards that they don't like it down there. Period. So I'm not sure how a new coach outside of winning relatively quickly. Uh, is going to get that done. And let's not get it twisted. The SWAC West is going to be crazy. You have Southern that 
was disappointed that they didn't find a way back to a SWAC championship game for a third time in, in a row. And so they dismissed some coaches. Um, you have Grambling, as it looks like they have resurrected their program, at least yep. to get to the championship game. Yes, it was laid an egg in the championship game, but they're not going to disappear anytime soon. Quarterback is coming back. A lot of players are coming back. Not to mention Prairie View, the way they roll off all these games. Their quarterback, Trey Green, is coming back, who was a finalist for the VNL Cowboys Senior HBCU Football Award. And I'll tell you a little bit about that before I go too far with what we're talking about. And then now you got Texas Southern is trying to get in the mix. Arkansas Pine Bluff is always well coached, and so they're always tough to play no matter in terms of the talent they have, not necessarily giving the maximum amount of scholarships. But we can see if they get a trigger at the quarterback position with Ben Anderson just a couple of years ago, not only will they be a threat, they won it all uh, in terms of that. So that West is deep in a lot of people's eyes. It's like the SEC West in regards to the caliber teams mm-hmm. in a division. Um, what is Capitalizing that? Capitalizing every week. The West for the Big Ten, as deep as it is with those teams over there in terms of uh, talented teams, it's that type of talent pool. So that's not an easy watch to go through it as if he was maybe in the East, uh, which is searching for, as Jackson State is still looking for a coach. Obviously, it looks like Alabama State is going to be a move. Some people are questioning what's going to be done at Alabama A&M. He has to figure a way to get it done. And as Alcorn has shown, that they are the champions and they are here to stay. Uh, with Footman that came off the Pine five games ago and hasn't lost a stride looking at the Ohio State that was three quarterback deeps last year, you have similar framework going on as John Gibbs did get a chance to get on the field as I start to move in towards the SWAC championship game, which was dominated, I mean, from the world's go. Gremlin had a chance maybe early, a couple of big plays yeah. where the quarterback was just off not doing as he done all year, overthrowing players, and then he let that one just hang up in the air. Where the late in the game, and that no midway the third quarter when they that, that interception just they were they were driving down uh, on the to the south field uh, uh, end zone. Mm-hmm. That was it was like okay, it's happened. That's kind of like overcome it, and they didn't. And then right. the next, and then when they really had a drive going. The running back caught up the ball around the twenty-five yard line, going yeah, toward the north end, and it was the, a good clean the Braves hit. Would, they were knocking some folks they around. They meant it. I that mean, front line for the Braves was really into the game. Yep. Gatewood, the, the, the twins, what he did as a cornerback uh, slash safety. Why? 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 We were talking about the swag, baby. The swag. Exactly. Exactly. The swag. Exactly. No, no, no. This is what I want to say. Yes. I'm reading the release on the SWAC website. Opens up with a crowd of 40,352 fans witnessed a record-setting day by Alcorn winning 49-21 over Grambling State. It concludes with, the attendance figure was the third most in SWAC championship game history, as well as the most in the game's history since it moved to here, and the most since 2007. Hold, please. Houston... Temple. The attendance for that game was thirty-five thousand. I asked a question. 
So once again, let me turn it back to U of H marketing. I asked a question earlier this yeah. evening. I'm gonna tell I you this. I asked a question earlier this evening. I talked to a commissioner. I had him on my show. Doctor was inside HBCU Sports Lab. He was very pleased with the ticket sales. He was amazed. They were each day leading down to Friday. They were they well were, above schedule. They were trying By to get Friday, forty-five. They had thirty thousand tickets already sold. They were trying to get forty-five. This was before. The announcement late Friday that came on KTSU officially Saturday morning that R. Kelly would not be playing. Because it was, was a late arriving crowd, particularly Ill. for the Grambling folks, but there's no doubt they put the 40,000 in there and uh, showed up and showed out. A lot of pride in terms of uh, the Alkanites was football. here. The Alkanites were there. Yeah. It was a chance in a lot of ways because this really looked big time uh, from the fact that. This game was the first year's the inaugural Celebration Bowl that recently right. announced the uh, sponsor with Air Force Reserve Celebration Bowl as the title sponsor, which will feature Alcorn State in North Carolina A&T in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome noon on ABC, and it kicks off the bowl season, and you will see um, the Saturday uh, game day, they will open up at the Celebration Bowl. They will be there that Saturday. Wow. So, so Lee Carson is going to get a little, 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 little HBCU going on. At the end of the game, when they presented Alcorn State the trophy, the goal uh, for the SWAC, you had um, Celebration Bowl. Grant, John Grant there, representing as the, the director, executive director of the Celebration Bowl and gave a petition that said official welcome to Alcorn State Braves uh, as they were the invitee to participate in the Celebration Bowl. It looked really clean, really classy in terms of the way they did it. I felt really big time in terms of the only FCS uh, programs, if you would, conference that has a championship game and obviously does it with class in terms of the people that are interested in that product uh, and all the history that connects with it. And we'll see what that means for the Celebration Bowl. Because I'm imagining that Alcorn State, uh, with that being a five, five and a half, no more than six-hour drive from Natchez, Mississippi area, or from Jackson, will come down in droves. It's less than three, four-hour drive from the greater Charlotte, Greensboro, North Carolina area. So you're going to see a lot of Aggies come down. And you already have a huge population of HBCU fans in Atlanta. So it'll be very interesting to see what their game is have. I will be there, just like I was at this one. I'll be in town Wednesday to be a part of that. The way I kicked off, um, and we're planning to do this next year, already talking about Grant and some other people do that commitment, that we were looking at doing an HBCU Athletic Research Consortium Symposium down there. We did our conference first year here. We started off by the Ben L. Cavill, Big Ben HBCU Football Award. You can go to HBCU Athletic Research site or THD-Agency.com and read uh, information, news. It'll be up there first thing tomorrow in regards to pictures of the event. Ben L. Cavill Sr. HBCU Football Award uh, banquet where we honored um, a HBCU player that was a HBCU player of the year that had a connection to Texas and everybody that was about the event really was excited about it and said um, they had a great time there. Uh, we had Jerry Woodley that uh, did the 
filming for it and pictures and everything uh, with his crew. I was really excited and I want to formally on the air say thank you for the work that you've I'm done. I'm glad because you remember I told you I was going to say something to you. Go, I, you you yeah, forgot yeah. one other person. <laughs> Ramon Tussa and his country concept and his t-shirts and all that. Yeah, he, was, he, he ended up being late because the t-shirts didn't print on time. There were some technical problems there. Uh, he did get it for the rest of the conference. So there's some shirts going uh, on. They'll I, be I on the some, website. Got some we have a quote nice, for our nice shirts one. for our podcast. So in about a week, uh, no more than two for Christmas. Just hey, in time for that. Hey. We'll have the shirts up. Hear that, two people in particular? Hear hey, that? Hey, that. family. Y'all hear that? Of that? I'm be calling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, we're excited about that. Uh, the first of its kind, the HBCU Athletic Research Consortium Conference took place. It kicked off, as I said, with that BNL event. Jonta Aber of Prairie View and AM University was the gentleman player that took home the Big Ben Trophy. And everybody was in love with the trophy, talking about that is a big trophy. It was first class. But all of the participants had a finalist trophy to take home also, which were five of them. Uh, as they did, God, which included uh, Trey uh, Green uh, as the yeah, quarterback, John Gibbs Jr. Yeah, as the yeah. quarterback, Booker T. Washington, his family was there, his brother who will be coming to Texas Southern University to run track. They were very excited about what took place there. Um, you also had Jonta Abair, obviously a finalist, the winner, told us about Trey Green. Um, and then we had Corey Carter. The punter for Texas Southern University. He was very excited. He Folk, got a shout out talk for about his this, eighty yard plus. Folks punt. had a question about that. Like, wait a minute, how can you? That, that's just like what man said. That's that's almost enough to the football field. Eighty-five yards. It was a question. Like, that's, that's, yeah, a, lot, that's a lot yeah, of yeah, yards. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a lot of yards yeah, for a punter. He was flying now. out Thursday to uh, prepare yeah, for a bowl game. Bowl game. Uh, and I was happy Miami, about that so too. So he was very excited. I've seen that young man come in to Texas Southern University as freshman, first class. He really got it done. Has matured a lot and is leaving a young man. And there's no question in my mind that he'll be successful. I was really excited. The fact that he put himself in a position to earn a finals trophy with that. And then you had Cornelius. Cornelius Henderson from Jackson State. No. Out of Dunkerville, Texas. He did very good. In he, fact, he won the fan online vote. He won uh, with 55% of the vote. He had people go to work. He had 12,000 clicks. In terms of his people voting, so he deserved that. John Gibbs didn't do too bad as he had 10,000. We had 23,000 folks go on the site to click to see who should earn the finalists. And with that, we made sure that we honored the person that had the highest fan vote. So not only did they get the finalists, they got a big trophy that said winner of the online vote. We'll continue that out. Uh, we honored the TSU 1952 HBCU championship team. Uh, led by Bo Humphreys as he helped organize that to make that happen. They were very proud. You'll see that picture 10-0 as they kicked everybody's butt. Talked about the fact that the last game they played uh, was a rivalry game. They played Prairie View A&M. At that time, <laughs> Texas Southern University was in the Midwestern Athletic Association. Uh, turned changed and, and name to the Midwestern Athletic too, Conference. At that time, before they joined the SWAC, in 1954, the team that they played for a championship was Prairie View A&M that was in the SWAC. And uh, they won that game 13-12, so they were excited about the fact they, they uh, got that shout-out for the ones that couldn't be there. Several uh, 
daughter and a wife was there to represent that family and very proud as they took pictures and were honored and clapped as they should be. And then last but not least, we took it to the streets with the Community Service Award. We even surprised an old friend of all of ours, Ralph Cooper. He won the Community Service Award. And from this point on, as we said in that day, the award will be named the Ralph Cooper Community Service Outstanding. Award. Outstanding. He came up and, on, and shed a tear. Yeah. So you know we you know, hit him He was surprised. Um, <laughs> shout out to baseball, James Montgomery, for helping make that happen and keeping that a, a secret as we got that done. Uh, very proud for, about that event. And so everybody was excited. My dad was there. My wife, my son, he got to be a part of it and see it as he did good, dressed up in his tux, uh, made it through most of it before he decided, all right, I'm tired, move around, and he left a little early. But he was there at the beginning as and, and should the doc, be to let him know I, that I'm this glad, is a legacy that he should be a part of. I'm glad that I was there because that was an explanation. <laughs> my, my grandson, Calvin, you know, that was the Cavs. And, and it's yeah, a vehicle. It'll have you rolling. Because he was basically saying, they went one direction, yeah. and, we went, and we stayed where we were. And just the way he explained, he said, we stayed where we were. That's why it's Cal. Yeah. And, and the other folks, they, it was, it, you just had to hear him. Oh, you, it's it's just, about, he's talking about being right. L. Uh, ben Anthony Cavill played football at Oklahoma, yeah. offensive line, played some defensive line, went to the pros as an offensive line, played all five positions on the line. And he had a great word for the young team, that San was Diego, that was there. Philadelphia. Played most of his time in Baltimore. He had some great words for the young men there. But he's a very funny big guy, and you can see why they call he, him big. He talks like that. I'm he, the third he gets going. Man. And so he, he was good at what he did. But the thing that I'll get on record, I tell him, I always say, they say, Cavill, we say Cavill, that is the sadistic side of the family. <laughs> so that is on record to make sure when he listens to podcasts that he ha does have no rebuttal because he's not here. We'll catch that up much later. But pretty much as I come to close, uh, really excited about that. There's some other folks that I want to make sure that I thank in terms of Dr. Billy Hawkins at the University of Georgia, who was part of the co-authored book, HBCU Athletic Experiences past president persistent he was on the panel along with Akila Carter Francique who got it done Dr. Joseph Cooper Francique is at Texas A&M I should say Dr. Joseph Cooper at UConn um, as they were really getting a lot of things done in terms of those talented people there Jeremy Cheeks a professor is finishing up his finishing up his PhD at Texas A&M he's currently at the Alabama A&M he was there as well. We had Professor Jan that came, Dr. Jan, I should say, that came in from Delaware State. We had the athletic director that came in from Dillard, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes. They all did it to name a few of the folks that were there with stellar performances in terms of presentations that were excited about the fact that we had the inaugural HBCU Athletic Research Consortium Conference, better known as HBCU ARC. That will continue in perpetuity as long as we can continue to get things done. People are excited about what went on there. And we talked about HBC research presentations, changing things. We had athletic directors, practice, the act activists there, and researchers there. So that was from Wednesday to Saturday as we closed off uh, much of that going on. I think that does it uh, for the HBCU framework. I will give the top five, not to spoil the top ten for everybody. We're getting closer to the final game, and it looks like the Celebration Bowl 
least for Dr. Cavill, would definitely be a championship game. As um, Grambling State, I will say, that was ranked number two coming in this with the way they lost their game. Although they went 9-0 and in conference, they were clearly outclassed mm. and show they're not mm. quite ready for that championship level run. So they dropped all the way from two to number six with teams getting it done above them. So at number five, North Carolina Central Eagles, 73-71. They do fall one spot from number four. At number four, you have Prairie and m Panthers, 8-2-8-1. Neither of those two teams I just named played. They fell from the third spot, falling one space. Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, 9-2-7-1. They didn't play. They were previously ranked number one. They fall two spots. The major region for their fall, although they didn't play, just like last week being in number one, was the fact that the real win that they had that really stood out of teams that were continuing to play, they had a win over Grandland State yeah. second game of the year. Yeah. But when you get that kind of loss, it not only hurts Grandland State, but it hurts Bethune-Cookman Wildcats with the other two teams winning and having conference championships on their level and now playing for a national championship in my mind, which is number two, North Carolina A&T, with two first-place votes. The Aggies come in at 9-2, 7-1, jumping up three spots from number five. And the team that really ascended made a statement, jumped up five spots, six spots, I should say, are the Alcorn State Braves, 9-3, 7-2, four first-place votes. They get it done as that matchup will now feature number one in Dr. Ville's HBCU football poll versus number two, SWAC champion versus the MEAC champion. Couldn't have had it any other way the way you want it. So it'll be interesting. I'm so glad that I have an opportunity to be in this particular game as it is the inaugural uh, celebration bowl. Uh, Six-year contract. Both schools have a chance to take home over $700,000. That's a big deal, um, no, no matter the way you play it, not to mention all the national television exposure they will get. Finally, the mid-major poll, uh, it'll pretty much be announced that uh, as the final poll, we'll release it this week. I'll give you those teams as Tuskegee run in the playoff has came to an end. They lost to Georgia, West Georgia, Wolves. Played really close for three quarters, 14-6, uh, but really exploded as they went down and, and uh, the Wolves put it to them, uh, scoring several touchdowns in the fourth quarter, a couple on interceptions and turnovers to really move that game out of the way. So at number five, once the Salem State Rams, six and five, five and two, remain at number five, and you'll see this at the same all the way up. Langston line, 73, five and one. At number three, Virginia Union Panthers, eight and three, six and one. And number two, Bowie State Bulldogs, 9-3, 7-0. And number one, the Tuskegee Golden Tigers, earning all 10 first-place votes, 10-3, 6-1. Again, as their playoff run comes to end, but they represented really well, taking two playoff games, first time in their history, lustrous history, as they have the most wins uh, of any HBCU program in terms of football. So again, Winston-Salem Rams out of CIAA, Langston Lions out of the Central State Football League, the only NAIA program in the top 10, uh, and you have number three, Virginia Union Panthers, 8-3, 6-1. And number two, Bowie State Bulldogs, 9-3, 7-0. Both teams are out of CIAA. Tuskegee Golden Tigers represents for the SIC. Gets it done, 10-3, 6-1. As the CIAA had the edge in terms of head-to-head -head competition and conference rates, which pushed Bowie State and Virginia Union up. But after 
Tuskegee made a run in the playoffs. It looks like they are the team with getting 10 wins, the only HBCU Division II program or NAA program to reach the 10 win mark. They essentially have locked up the National Black College Championship at the mid-major division, as I said. That'll do it for Dr. Will's report on HBCU sports. Outstanding, Doc. We're going to wrap it up with two things. Rockets? No. <laughs> Thank God! No. Thank God! That'll be another Thank podcast. God. We're going to talk about U of H and both a good and a bad. Well, Memorial will be the second part. Okay. For, for uh, C- Coach Gabby Lewis. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Got to talk about the negative of the security attacks. Thank God. That took Nobody place won, after U of H Temple win. That uh, okay. President Couture, the quote from in the Chronicle, said she was very shocked, disappointed, and literally outraged by the action of security workers after Saturday's 24-13 win over Temple at TDECU Stadium. It's all over the internet. You can go to Google. You can go Google it, YouTube it, Vimeo it. Yep. Go on Twitter, see the assaults by members of CSC Security Services. I saw body slam. I saw punches thrown. I saw people being tackled. It's everywhere, Doc. And my uh, to my buddies who I was waiting on for post-game celebration, they were the first to tell me about it because they saw it firsthand. You know, it was, it was more than one section of the stadium. You know, fans, being fans, wanted to get on the field and celebrate with the team, be seen, whatever kind of stuff. But you could see security people initially hold up their hands like fake pretend gates. That's what you see on the main part of the field. But apparently in the corners of the end zone is where these assaults took place and the body slams and the punches being thrown. And in this day and age, smartphone cameras didn't take long for this to hit the internet. Uh, I forgot his name. One of the local rappers. Who, give me somebody. Not Bun B. Give me somebody else. Slim Thug. Right, Slim Thug put, put it on his Instagram account. Some footage. And local TV stations asked him via Instagram if he they would give him permission yeah. to show it on TV. So it didn't take long because one of the assaults apparently, apparently according to my friend took place right in front of a local TV station reporter with his camera just right there. Biggest day. So the, you, you couldn't hide from it. You couldn't run from it. Coach President Couture has to quote said U of H has suspended all relationships with CSC. So it's, it's bad publicity. It was all over the internet. You got some websites tweeted directly to President Couture getting her thoughts on this and taking snide remarks at her. So she is not, she wasn't happy. She was pissed she off. Be. She and she, be, yeah. she took action. I have every right to be so upset. Wildcat, do you have any thoughts on this? Two weekends, two weekends in a row, home game, conference championship game, first off. Uh, uh, well, a, a game of, of many. Against uh, Navy. Against Navy. Uh, that would that would set up the uh, championship game. Then you had the championship game. And in two weeks, total outrage from both sides, but more so from how you are supposed to be a security firm, or firm that has been contracted out to protect not only the students, but more so the teams and our coaches. And yes, I'm saying this because in yesterday's 
post game presser, coach University of Houston Cougars coach Tom Tom Herman made mention of the fact that for a minute there he lost his wife. He wasn't sure where she was. He could hear, but folks had gotten it had gotten so crazy that he did that they had lost touch with each other. And he made mention of Samantha talked to security about that. Now the week before in the Navy game. I did go out on the field. After that chaos, I refused to go out there on yesterday. I did what I needed to do from the stands from the uh, uh, main concourse. But when you get hired to take care of security, please note that first and foremost, team, coach, uh, administration, conference and then the student body in that order and I mean that on the for real side students if you're going to stop students from coming out on the field you know how you line it up you put deputy sheriff HPD standing right there they're not going to let us run down arbitrarily and just say okay I'm going to take my chance tonight but when you have a non uh load-bearing, what I call load-bearing uh, security, that's what happens. You know, people take that as an advantage, of, an, an opportunity to kind of like just, you know, just go into chaos. Well, I think, I mean, yeah, it, I think yeah, this it's is a celebration, what, but, it, but it wasn't done in an orderly fashion, Doc. It just wasn't. Well, I'm just going to say this. this. This has been going on for a while. It was bound to happen at this level uh, as we have people rushing the floor. They've been trying to figure out how do, we, how do you get a around us, get away from this, uh, but uh, unfortunately it's become an ugly fad that's taking place. But I think where it really went wrong is usually when you f see the security people, even if you have a contract group as such as CSC in terms of what they're doing, is they are taught usually to show the fact that you shouldn't come in this area. And if you just go get overwhelmed, you let the people through. Right. That's where the mistake was made. Um, after you lose control, you move on. You try to do mm -hmm. what you can, and you once it crows out, you start telling people to move. But you don't physically assault the individuals. You're not an officer. Even though we have some questions the way officers do that. But at least they are legally in a position where they're supposed to know professionally what they're doing. And they're charged with protecting the law. You're a security. You should provide security, not provide obstruction from the state that you go in that direction. So that's where my frustration goes. I won't put a lot of this on U of H in regards to what took place. It's unfortunate for them because they're going to get some negative publicity. That's what it is. They've done the remediation that they could. They fired the group. Uh, let's move forward and hopefully we'll get some people that will learn some lessons and you can continue to move back and forward in regards to what is taking place with these type of uh, events where people are bound to get hurt, which is really the sad part of this is what you're trying to protect. And I don't want us to lose focus on that point is the reason that you have the people out there is not that they don't want fans to celebrate, but we know that if you have this mass amount of people that you can have people seriously injured uh, whether that means to the point 
that they could become paraplegic or worse lose their lives in something like that so let's not lose focus of what's really important of what took place here uh, and uh, it's unfortunate but I think it is news and it needs to be said in terms of that as we, I know we're closing up but uh, I think it is important that we do uh, talk about this historical event that took place with the two Latin coaches of South Carolina yep. and South, South Florida yep uh, with those two that coaches, happened. first Latin Americans uh, coaching at major division schools uh, with that success. South Carolina won that game and what took place there, but I think it's important that we point that out. <coughs> and to wrap and that it up. That's Frank Martin, Orlando, and Antigua. Mm-hmm. For people that I didn't realize that Orlando was old enough to have a, yeah. a son playing yeah. ball on yeah. college level. I was like, wow. Yes. It's good genes, man. Good skin. You know, but. Cause he he's probably my age. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He's probably my age. So, but Coach Gavi Lewis passed away, and um, Walker, you can get more into this. He he coach passed away on November twenty sixth at the age of ninety three, and just from personally, growing up, being a, a little kid, fan of Five Slamma Jamma. Couldn't help but know who Gabby Lewis was. He was a fan of Fox Jamma. So, 9, 10, 11 years old, I still have the shirts. Shirts look like itty bitty thing big in this newspaper now. It looks so small. <laughs> but Fox uh, Jamma, U of A's number one. So, I got two shirts, red and a white one. You know, Coach Lewis, those teams with Akeem and Clyde and and Michael Young and, and Larry Mishaw and just that, that run that U of H had. Mm was just so inspirational and inspiring the style of play that is still being utilized today and, and five slam and jam are still being talked about today despite the fact or in addition to the fact that they lost the championship game to NC State in eighty three and the way that they lost that game. They're still talked about as five slam and jam being one of the most exciting teams in the history of, of NCAA college basketball. But Gavi Lewis the impact that he had on integration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the South. In the South. So reference it that way. Or assimilation, as I say. Or e- either way, yes. You know, getting Don Chaney and Elvin Hayes from Louisiana to come to U of H. No and question that, about it. Change. Change. Change basketball. Totally change the outlook of basketball as we know it to this day. It changed the way recruiting was done, um, especially out of state. And to be, and, and this is where and you probably asking me to, to get into this. Uh, there was a quota system, and then there was a no system. In the South, there was a no system. In the North and Mid East, and uh, uh, there was there was a quota system. The West Coast, which and I'm starting to, 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 it was quoted, but up to then it moved quickly away from quickly. And that happened because of what transpired at UCLA. It was almost like, okay, it's acceptable now. But sticking right here at home, that's one of the reasons why U of H, uh, their athletic program, was part of, was almost set aside as an outlier. And what it wasn't invited until late. And Coach uh, Yeomans and, and Coach uh, 
Lewis's tenure at the head coaching on Division One level, the school was invited to a to a, uh, a conference. By them being an independent, you had to be, you know, competitive. You had to go and recruit certain certain guys to stay competitive. And it's not. It wasn't their fault that they were. You know, they went into the neighborhood. They were going to get the best athlete, the best player they could find. It's not their fault that nobody else could see that. Or nobody else would allow that. And to those two gentlemen, credit, especially to Coach Lewis, which was where it was more prevalent on the basketball side and openly done, you have to give a lot of mental thought and an administration that says, that, that said to him, and said to, actually to both of them, if this is the way we're going to go, we're going to all have to be on one accord, and when we make that move, we ain't looking back. So whatever happens, it happens. And success hasn't, until, you know, we had the little, the little hiccup and a little dry spell and all, to a few coaches, but the program made a run, and, every, and, and just didn't look back, and we all know that Coach Lewis is the one reason, the one reason we've got national television on, on for college sports, especially in basketball, because he made a decision to say, you know what, we need to we need to en- enhance this, you know, open up the, the eyes to people, just bring this all out. Now, mind you, the two coaches had to agree that we're gonna put this game on TV. Then you got to find a place. Thank God. Coach, uh, uh, the mayor Hoffine, the former mayor Hoffine at that time, and I said, "Hey, I got a building. Let's, let's go get this done." Like you said, the let's Astrodome. Yes, sir. Fifty-three thousand people saw the game of the century between number Plus one TV. versus number two, UVA versus UCLA. So, uh, Gabby Lewis impacted to so many people, and I really—I mean, we're talking about you know integration and everything. He had such an impact. On our community, mm-hmm. yeah. you know that no question about folks it. outside our community don't understand, and and whether they choose to understand it or not, maybe there's a reason why they don't understand it. But sometimes I'm gonna tell you, I don't care. You know, I don't either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Doc, I tell him in a heartbeat. He came to the neighborhood. I agree with you. When nobody else would come to the neighborhood, yeah. who didn't look like us. Right. You know, he, he gave a, a lot of folks who look like us a chance at an education, a chance yeah. to better themselves. And he helped, as as uh, Don Taney said, he, he took us boys and made us into men. Attorney Jerry Boney. Yes. From Fifth Ward, a Wheatley Wildcat, All-American, McDonald's All-American, came over to the University of Houston, Dwight Davis followed, I mean Dwight Jones followed, and as they say, history is being made. And folks all looked around. You know, it just takes us to sit down with Doc Cooper and have some conversation every now and then because he witnessed that stuff up uh, uh, yep. up close. He was reporting at that time. And and oh my goodness, the stories Ralph has told me, and I'm sure told all of y'all about some of those U of A teams and Coach Lewis. You know, we could Ralph Ralph really should write a book. He should no no. He has told us that he has a book. He, he, it ain't you know, finished. He, it ain't finished, and he said he may never publish it. But only but, because. Folks may I live here. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that book would just be the stories upon stories upon stories there. But I don't want to get sidetracked. I just want to wrap it up. Rest in peace to God B. Lewis. 
Thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you for everything you did for the University of Houston, for the city of Houston. And it's the fact that you all, you, you and some friends, got together and put that award together, and now he's nationally known. Yes. I mean, hey, like Doc did with his his deal. I have more respect for what you've done in terms of the award after I have had a chance to actually go through the label. <laughs> Doc looked. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you. Doc looked tired before he got it for the for the event before he got started. He. I texted him and told him I'm here. He said, "What the room look like?" I sent him back some photos. I would I didn't, I didn't text no, you know, no right. I, I just sent him back the photos. I said, "This is what we got." He said, "Okay." Yeah. He said, "Everything else." I said, "Yeah, I'm getting help." So, so yeah, thank you, Wildcat, very much for we we did put together the Guy V. Lewis Award that goes to the uh, top boys high school player in the Greater Houston area. Very important. So as as honor and legacy of Coach Lewis, everything he did for high school basketball, everything he did for U of H basketball. So, gentlemen, real quick, how can folks find you on the internet? You can find me online through the airway. Who are you, sir? I first I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat uh, at YouTube and Blogger TweetDeck AKSV the CSR the College Sports Report on Twitter, Facebook. You can find me at JL Woodley One or Jerry L. Woodley Jr. And also on SoundCloud at AKSV VCSR. And Doc? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor at Texas Southern University, associate professor of sport management at Texas Southern University. I also am the lead. For Dr. Cavill's Inside HBC Sports Lab, the host, I guess you would want to say, uh, with Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, comes on every Tuesday, KCOS Radio, 1230 a.m. from 6 to 7. You can listen to it live on the dial. If you cannot get it there, you can tune in uh, on the TuneIn app or on your computer at www.kcosradio.com. And still, if you want to listen to it on your own cognizant, you can go to the podcast at uh, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, and that is on SoundCloud. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also go to the website to get uh, information that you may like, www.thg-agency.com. Again, that's www.t as in Tom, H as in Henry, G as in Greg-agency.com. You can get some information on the Big Ben Award. You can get information on the HBCU Athletic Research Consortium Conference. You'll be able to get pictures and write-ups and news articles as of this week coming up. You can also get information on the HBCUs in terms of top 10 polls, as well as written reports on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Huddle. And get all the information you like on HBCU as we start to transition to basketball. You can go to the Houston Round Ball Review, both top 10 uh, for the mid-major majors in regards to men's and women's will be posted on that site. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Wildcat. I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, as well as VHRR.com on Twitter, VHR Review, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. And Instagram, we have our uh, podcast on Facebook, 
the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc podcast there, as well as SoundCloud and and newly the Pod Directory. Wag has something to say that he wants to say, so go ahead, sir. I would be remiss if I have not one of your cohorts with the Gavi Lewis uh, Award, Jim Hicks. I went out to his event at uh, Second Baptist and was and thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was enough talent to keep me in the gym, and I had to actually get somebody to drop me off at work that evening so I wouldn't be late. I had gotten that in thrall and all in watching what was going on. It was a very nice event, very nice, very well put together. They tried to stay on time as much as possible, but when you get an overtime game, it kind of fall off the, off the, the wheels kind of fall off. But I tell you what, Jim Hicks put on a good show. And his high school preview issue of the magazine yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I, he gave me a copy of it Thursday at our journalist function. And job well done, sir. He's come a long way. Yeah. And and I think, I don't know, he was being serious, but he was being funny. I thought it was funny. But he introduced me to uh, a colleague at the, at the journalist event as the godfather of local basketball. And I was like, have you lost your mind? Man, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near that. In some areas, I, did okay, <laughs> I do okay when it comes to women's basketball oh, and stuff, but I am nowhere. Oh, I got to talk to Dr. Hicks. So I, I, I am nowhere Hicks. a godfather. Godfather is like Ralph Cooper. Ralph Cooper is godfather because he helped raise all of us to do what we do and to get get out get out our information like Ralph said, be to the community. People right yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> back when we had milk on our breath. So yeah, there's, <laughs> so there's no question about all that, but. Kudos to Hicks. He does an outstanding job at RCSSports.com. He is a man when it comes to local Houston area hoops, and he's also a contributor to and, and his, and you the Gabby Lewis Award. Yes. You all's winner last year is definitely proving true. And, and right here in town. Yes. He and I cast a deciding votes for that award, so let's <laughs> put it like that. So, yes. Yeah, I'm throwing that log out there. So that's quite all right. Did. Yeah, that is true. Because y'all know who y'all are. So, yeah, that's that's true. Thank you for that, too, Wildcat. So, we're going to end it on that positive. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, the Gabby Lewis Award. Um, we'll be coming up, uh, I think, March 27th, 2016. It'll be the Thursday, should be the Thursday before the men's Final Four semifinal, which is Saturday, because we have uh, breakfast for our national writers, which should be that Friday. So the Gavilos will be that Thursday. Looking forward to that, honoring the top 10 boys high school players in the great Houston area once again. Gentlemen, as always, thank you very much. We covered a lot of topics as we always do, as you try to do in our, in our podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for getting on us and wondering when we're going to have another podcast. So we hope you enjoyed it. We'll have another podcast soon. We'll talk more about the U of H Florida State Peach Bowl matchup. And I am a proud U of H alum. So I am proud to see our success. We have work to do. We're not done yet. Yeah. That's on the field yep. and off the field. Yep. So, gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.